Welcome back to this episode. This is the second part of a doubleheader. If you haven't heard the first, go back. Go back and listen to it. If you can't be bothered, that's all right. Just keep listening to this one and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And don't forget, like and subscribe. I hate it when people say that. Oh, right. So it is that cutthroat. It's like, oh, yeah, you're out, you're out for six it. weeks. See you later. We've well, got someone else in. Yeah, at the, the time, obviously, I wasn't playing a lot. So if it had been someone like Colin out for a season, then you've got to get someone else in. In the same way that the previous season, um, uh, I think Joel Moore got injured, which is when they brought in Jose Slaughter, who played for Indiana Pacers. That's the picture that I've done. He's, he's the one Ding up Larry Bird. That's so, so oh, Jose, yeah. Jose Slaughter. Such a great name. I you know, isn't it? You know, what's your name? Slaughter. Mr. Slaughter. Jose. It's it literally has Slaughter on the back. Yeah. yeah. He'd have he, a good thing like, you're in a slaughterhouse now, baby, or something like that, wouldn't he? And I, I don't know if you remember him, but he was the first player that I'd seen in terms of athleticism that just looked like ferocious, just like, just really like a panther. I was thinking, blimey, this guy's good. Um, but because you're in low two Americans, Alan Cunningham had to sit out the rest of the season. And then I think because he was also American, he hadn't nationalised, he didn't have his GB um, passport. At the end of the, By the end of the season, he'd got his passport, so then he wasn't an American. So the following year, the year I played, Rich Strong and Mark Glass could come in as the Americans, and Alan was back in. Um, cause, and then Alan Cunningham, I think, he coached. Um, but yeah... I remember Jose Slaughter being in. The other player who was really famous, who we saw on the preseason tour in France, was Dwayne McLean. There's a video on. Um, we had a we had a VHS video from Mickey with Dwayne McLean on there, but I think there's also some videos on YouTube. And Dwayne McLean was awesome. Um, we had this other guy who came in and played, or played Ace Tanner. I remember once someone took a shot, uh, and a couple of players on my team, on the post team, went up for a rebound. And this ace tanner came baseline, jumped over everyone, grabbed the ball, and just reversed it over his head. And we were all like, holy, look at this guy. It's just amazing. And I think that's the thing. When you see like the NBA's quality athletes, you know, like when you're watching top 10 moves of the night and you see guys literally looking in the ring, that sort of athleticism, you think, blimey, these guys are really good. It just makes you realize, you know, the, Pom- the Pompey team are great athletes. And when you have people like Dan Davis, do you remember? Uh, I think it was Kenny Scott. Kenny Scott. Do you remember from Kingston? You could just like jump out the gym. I think he broke the backboard at Mount Battle Center like twice, to so, two seasons yeah. in a row. Yeah, he could just leap. They had a didn't they have a like it was hanging from the roof? If you know what I mean, the ring. Yeah, well, the, but the, they had a spare one that they no, brought the out. Ring, right? Yeah, the ring was literally bolted straight to the glass. Yeah just bolted on the glass so there was no metal frame behind it it was lit so if you dunked it hard enough you're just gonna crack the backboard and they did have they had spare backboards and they'd crack into their sort of routine get the um get the scaffold out change the board over replace it sweep it up and away we go again it's like don't break the backboard again we haven't got any spares like, oh, okay you know, <laughs> that sort of thing yeah imagine that's your um that's how people remember you yeah every time you came to our game you broke the backboard mm. 
That's a good one, isn't that, it? That, that's that's a way to be remembered. I, for sure. I was going to ask. I do remember at those home games you, the intro, and I, I'm I would I'm guessing this was Alan Cunningham inspired, maybe. But I always remember all the lights coming off, mm. the spotlights going around. Yeah, yeah. But you guys always did that this thing where you ran out and then you threw it off the glass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, then the last routine. one grabs it, boom, dunk. Yeah. Who yeah. was it? Was it Alan at the end or Colin? Uh, Colin didn't dunk it a lot, but he could dunk all the time. He just, he just, I don't think he just couldn't be bothered. Um, so in terms of dunking, it might have been probably yeah either Alan or Mike or Russ because remember Russ could jump. He's about six six. And he, I don't remember he was built like a tank, Russ Taylor. Um, yeah, he could. Uh, so yeah, and then just keep going into it. Were there players on that team that uh, you found it? easier to work like you had a better synergy with playing with or and were there ones that were harder to read or to be honest everyone on the team right was really friendly off yep. the court practice was practice right it's no holes barred you know we're, we're a professional team you, you know you just pile in do what you got to do leave it on the court but everyone was really friendly and there, it wasn't like there were massive sort of factions where this group wouldn't talk everyone just chatted everyone hung out together on the coach and the way games everyone was just relax with each other it's just a lovely atmosphere what about playing wise with the ones as in that um, you thought well, I, I played better if i when i come in and there's these people on the court and core uh i think you know if, if you're on colin's team right <clears throat> and he's and, and you're open he's gonna rifle the ball at you you better catch it or you're gonna be in trouble right <laughs> players like carl tatum would do you know really nice precise bounce pass in um but you know, not that i remember you know it's just you know because you have to adjust to being with everybody like I said, all the drills, you know what you're doing, so you just crack on and do what you have to do. Yeah, that that tone that you talk about, like the actual um, power and speed of the ball, just from passing, mm. that filtered down. Like yeah, everyone yeah. was watching you guys do it. Yeah. And then like when you got asked to turn up to the Monday night sessions, mm. um, you know, I remember Martin Dowdle passing me the ball once, mm. and it was like, <laughs> yeah. the first time I caught the ball, it's like my hands are bright red. Yeah. It's like, wow. And you're, you just you drive through the key or yeah. just go down the baseline. Someone, boom, just yeah. and it's like <gasps> that first session is a wake yeah. up call on a Monday night. Mm -hmm. um, Martin Dowdle, mm. he was pretty good, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Martin was like the go to shooter, um, and in terms of the juniors, and it was it's like Martin because Martin had the best three pointer in our team. Macca's had a great three pointer as well, but Martin was sort of the point guard shooting it. And it was literally in the juniors. Like, Martin, you shoot and we'll rebound. So, and same at Solent Stars. Yeah, because he went to Solent Stars yeah, as well. he played loads of Solent Stars. But he was from Portsmouth as well, Fair wasn't he? Yeah, okay, well, uh, we can claim that. We can yeah, claim yeah. that. Yeah, it's close Could, enough. Would he be top three all-time Portsmouth players? Yeah, in terms of point guard, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was our main guard. The year, the year we had Andrew Bailey, obviously Andrew Bailey was really talented, but we were still growing up. You know, the year that I went to play for the Portsmouth team, it meant that everyone in the team, you, they had to go play as cadets because they were so young. I think, you know, I was the oldest by a couple of years. So then all of a sudden everyone's... And I think Gary Fleming left, um, Neil Bredner left to go and um, you know, do whatever he did. So the team that was left, yeah, I think they were all like under 17s. So they ended up being cadets. So that's how young the team was in terms of the juniors. Well, I've got another guard name for you now. Go on. Steve Bontrager. What did you think yeah. of him? He was great, wasn't he? Do you remember that? There was an interview where the, there was Alan Cunningham and Steve Bontrager in the studio and they're chatting through. And um, 
Alan Cunningham sort of talking about Duncan and because you get Alan Cunningham got set up in terms of the topic. Um, he's, he's sort of saying, oh, yeah, you know, Dunk is like, I'm stronger than you, everything else. And then Steve Wondrager says, yeah, but it's only worth two points. <laughs> three point is worth three points. Three point will win you some games. And he's like, oh, because, you, you know, and the year that I went, we went to the Royal Albert Hall, Joel Moore shot 11 for 13 three pointers. Wow. 11 for 13. Yeah. So, obviously, he was. That's a, not. Yeah. That's something I'm like, oh, will he stop? And I think Colin also injured his thumb. So he was trying to play kind of mainly left hand, but he really hurt his thumb. On his right hand, his shooting hand. So we were kind of up against it. Yeah, but yeah, Kingston, Kingston won. Yeah, Kingston. I mean, Steve Bontre, he was their main guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was there. He was there because they started cut. off. Kingston started off as athletes in action. They were like a Christian basketball team. That was their kind of origin. I'm pretty sure. Then they became Kingston, and then they, that's when they had Dan Davis, uh, McNeish, Colin McNeish. Do you remember him? Kenny Scott. But yeah, Steve Bontrager, uh, Steve Bontrager was their main point guard. He's, he was great, right? Just a really clean, slick, tidy player. Little step back three pointers when you know that, the three point line had only just sort of come in, maybe two, three years before. But yeah, he was the kind of like nemesis we had to get past every time. Yeah, and I'm sh I'm shocked you didn't bring up the stat about when the three point line came up. That that's normally something you you. you Throw I don't know it in British basketball. Uh -huh. I know in American basketball it was 1979. Well, because we lost our first game of the season. I don't know if you remember. I think we played Manchester. And Mark Glass turned the ball over. Well, he got the ball stolen off him, right? But we were, we were up. They, they stole the ball, went down and scored it. And the buzzer went. We'd lost the game. And that's who, you remember the Mountbatten said, you know, as you went into the court, there was those massive green fire doors, about two inches thick. Yeah. Remember? With yeah. a glass panel. Colin punched the door and the top hinge. The door was open because we were walking through it. And he smacked the door and he actually broke the hinge oh, on wow. those massive fire doors. And then we've gone back into the change room and it's all kicked off. Everyone's livid. Colin's livid. Yeah, Mark Glass is trying to explain himself in terms of turnover. And no one's having it. And I'm sat there thinking, bloody hell, here we go. This is what it's like. And, it, and then I think we lost one more game the whole season in terms of the league. We won 22 and 2. In terms of the, uh, that was it. I think we lost once more. I yeah. Mean, I mean, seeing it, you've got Portsmouth FC and you see down there, you've got Solent Stars mm. in, in that same league. Because Solent Stars were supposed to be at the Mountbatten Centre, right? Yeah, so. But it wasn't, yeah, and it they wasn't, moved. They went well, to Fleming no, Park, didn't they? Well, no, because the Mountbatten Centre was just behind in terms of getting built. It was just, it was just too late. So Sonnet Stars then went to the Fleming Park and stayed there. So what was that like as a rivalry on the South Coast? Because uh, we've always said one of the things that we we love to see in you know when we had the, the Memorial game for Mickey, but mm. it was the Portsmouth team and Sonnet Kestrels. Yeah, it was go, great. It's nice having a South Coast derby because there's oh, yeah. no teams. Mm. It's not a derby derby, is it? I mean, it's like you want to get you want to have bragging rights, but in the same time, like I, I remember ten years ago, it was. Um, it was the Mickey's Portsmouth Smugglers and we were playing the Solent, um, no, Southampton Trailblazers or I don't know, it was a Southampton team. But it was like you had two bleachers either side and it was like Portsmouth, Southampton, everyone's kind of sat in with each other. Yeah. There's no, there's no, no other football crap that comes with it. Oh, it no, no, just, it's, a it's almost like a, I guess like a rugby atmosphere, isn't mm. it? Um, but yeah. It would be good to get that national. But it's good for yeah. the region. That's the whole mm. thing, isn't it? It's mm. you know, it's nice. So, how did that work? Because obviously, then 
you're at that point now, 89, clubs folded. Mm. Solent Stars are still going. Yeah, so I came back from the University of Portsmouth, uh, Birmingham University, signed up University of Portsmouth, which was Portsmouth Polytechnic at the time. Yep. Um, and obviously Mick, the, Mick had then gone, I think, over to Solent Stars. And I was like, well, I'll go and play at Solent Stars. But I think at the time, they'd had financial a reshuffle so I think they had to drop down to like division three and work our way back up so in terms of who was still over there Paul Philp was still over there uh, Drew Sewell was still over there Nick Byrne was still there so um, so there was a core of players that still were still there the Americans had gone because obviously the wages weren't there um, so then I ended up playing at Solent and I ended up being a captain for a couple of years um, and then I think then I had um, got to the point where I was just sick of the travelling. So then I just kind of said, I've had enough, I think. And I was working at the university, so I had Ports and Fire team. Um, but the Sonar Stars days were great. You know, the Fleming Park was a good little venue. And at the time, you know, I was just enjoying playing. And then um, I'll go on to the... Um, we were down at... Um, Portsmouth College and then on the North thing. I don't, I don't know if you remember so obviously Marsai Marsai Jiri came arrived and then came live with me for ages live with me on Elm Grove because um, he wanted and obviously ended up winning the NBA with the Toronto Raptors he's he got a, a ring he's, yeah. he's got yeah. a ring he's got so one. what happened was he he arrived at Portsmouth College I'm like oh how you doing he's like oh Marsai I'm from Nigeria just arrived he had a British he had a British passport um I was like, well, where are you living? He's like, oh, I'm living. He told me where he's living. Oh, we just come and live with me. I live on, on Elm Grove. He's like, okay. So he came down. We, I was living above Peter Anderson Sports in Elm Grove, above Suds Laundrette. Um, Peter Anderson was my landlord. A great guy, Peter Anderson. Um, <clears throat> so Marseille moved in, and he loved basketball. He loved everything about it. Reggie Miller was his favorite player. Loved Muhammad Ali, all this sort of thing. So, um, and obviously I had the keys to the gym. So he then said, look, you know, I want to... You know, I want to go to college in the States. You know, can you get me ready sort of thing? Because we were really well even, um, sort of balanced playing-wise. I was just a lot more experienced and bigger. And, you know, Marseille was great. He was quick, leapy. So we just spent all summer training, 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 because I'd, I'd finish at 10 o'clock. Marseille had a job working the tennis courts down in South Sea. You know, that's the seafront tennis courts yeah, yeah. you know running those you know taking the money for the the courts the nets um and then he'd finish up i'd finish my shift at 10 o'clock and we'd play basketball till about half 12 midnight doing drills doing drills and then he went away i've written down where he went to i can't remember north dakota yeah whatever i've said bismarck state college wow That's just it. to go back those tennis courts so the guy who was organizing those tennis courts ended up winning the nba is future uh, present, president, uh, vice Tron chairman, yeah. president of Toronto Raptors. Yeah, general manager of Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Jeez. So, and the funny thing is, so Marcel lived with me. His mum came and lived for a while. His sister Mena lived down at the end of Elm Grove separately. She was doing her um, nursing thing. Um, and then Marcel went away to the college, but he'd always he'd always disappear. Wouldn't hear anything from Marcel. Then all of a sudden he'd turn back up. He'd be like, oh Jason, well come and you know, come and get your room again. Um, and then. And then he sort of stayed for another sort of six months. Then he disappeared, come back six. Just I think he was like bouncing around, trying to find a niche um, in basketball. And obviously he was playing at Solent as well. And then he, he kind of left. I hadn't heard anything from him. I hadn't heard anything from ages. 
from you know, from him for ages. And then I'm watching like I'm just sat there in my, in my house watching NBA action, and I'm there and I'm thinking, I was like, eh? Hey? That's Marseille. I'm rewinding it. I was like, is that Marseille? That's Marseille. Rewinding it. So I then Google it, and it turns out that he's playing for um, Denver. He, uh, sorry, he's he's involved in the. Is it Denver? I think. He was playing, he was coaching for them because he'd, he'd start off going to Africa doing big man camps and then he'd recruit and take them over. Anyway, long story short. And then, I, you know, he'd signed like a $15 million contract for five years. I was thinking, Marseille, you know, where's this come from? And obviously, found out later in terms of um, his like, journey. Um, and then, yeah, and then he ends up winning the, the Toronto Raptors. And I was like, how on earth? The amount of times... We sat in Elm Grove in our sort of lounge, just talking basketball, yakety yak, going, oh, come on, let's go and shoot some hoops. So we watch a video, get all you know, juiced up, and oh, come on, let's go and shoot some hoops and you know, play one on one. And then it ended up winning the NBA. I couldn't believe it. It's like, how does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Just like relentless pursuit, just, just keep trying out stuff. Because he played at Derby, I think he went to Europe for a bit. And then, but I think it was his, I think he realized he wasn't going to make it big as a player he said right what's the next best thing and I think because he, he's very affable really chatty um, and then he kind of did the big man camp and then brought some really big players over um, Pepsi Centre who plays at the Pepsi Centre is that Denver oh he got me there I'll have to look it up but yeah who used to win on one on one, one? Uh, I would win I would. I'd say. Well, but that, he said yeah. that confidently. Well, I did. <laughs> I, did. I reckon if we played ten games, right? I reckon I'd win six. Denver, Pepsi Center. Yeah. Denver. I reckon I'd win six. One because I was bigger uh, in terms of physically. Um, in terms of jumping, we're about the same. There's there's only one video. There's two videos of me on YouTube, right? One is the slam dunk competition at the St Paul's which me and Marceau are in the final. And Marceau, I think he missed two dunks. So I win. And the other one is me at Cased at the end of my year with Portsmouth. You know, the Cased at the end of season. Yeah. You can see me there. I'm 19 and I'm 18. And they're just running, running, running. So that's just how fit I was. But I remember, I've still got the video somewhere. Marseille actually tried to win the dunk competition. Nick Burns would, would stand up, walk over. Obviously, the rings were a bit low. He'd already dunk it without his feet even leaving the floor and then walk back. And that was his dunk. He'd just walk up, dunk it, and walk back. Um, so, yeah. So, so that's another sort of NBA story. That must be a great, a great story to, to actually delve into and find out how he went from Elm Grove, playing on those courts, yeah. to training, training. GM of Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Like, and, you know, so he was the first um, African general manager to win first canadian team to win um and yeah i didn't know anything about it at all until i was watching nba action like hey what but that was marseille he'd come in hang out you know we do a thing we'd we you know we'd go clubbing and we'd go out partying and and we'd go and play basketball 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 then he'd disappear off to the states come back oh yeah but okay come and move in again and that was it yeah. <laughs> imagine if you guys got together now and you're like hey yeah you're like check out this bbl glass, glass. thing here yeah. and he's like just gets yeah. his ring out yeah check, check that out check out my trophy <laughs> check out my nba championship yeah <laughs> so you did uh you mentioned portsmouth panic before so that was in in between uh so you were doing the stars no i think that was local league and again right you know mickey mickey Burton was great 
after a while... Mike think... Spade's on this team for the panic. No. Is that Mike Spade? I can see wearing 12. No, which one are you I haven't at? got my glasses. No, that's that's Solent. Oh. Yeah. Also, that middle column there is the teams that I was organising. Uh, okay. Yeah. God, if we had Mike, well, Mike Spade probably played for Mickey Byrne a couple of times <laughs> as a ringer. That would definitely have happened. <laughs> And I think, again, you know, I think I just thought, oh, me and my mates, you know, loved Mick for everything he did. But in terms of coaching, he could drive you nuts, right? You know, he used to keep arguing the ref till he got a technical. Then you'd end up losing by one point. And you'd be like, Mick, what are you doing? So, oh, I've got to go yeah. technical. I've got to get him on my side. You're thinking, how are you getting him on your side yeah. by making him annoyed? So I literally had the Ports of Panic team at the uni because I just wanted to run my own team. I just didn't want all the aggro of another coach, well, Mickey. Um, and you're not the first person to do that. No, that's no. how the fury yeah, came yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, would it also surprise you that someone else was trying to get a uh, a, a a bit of a, a wind with the referees at the very recent game, weren't you? Mm. Because uh, at, at the recent game on Sunday, oh, I attempt I attempted, but it was uh, <laughs> just for that exact attempted. reason. Well, Mick that? always used to say, if things aren't going your way, get a tea and just sit back and watch what happens. Sometimes it goes your it's way. Just what, as Jason said, that I'm going. Say, which, which to me is like really. <laughs> On what planet is that a good idea? Mick was Wind a, the refs up. He was a double-edged sword, though, wasn't he? Oh, you can't knock yeah. Mick, right? Because without Mick, there was no basketball in Portsmouth. There'd have been no junior team for me to play on. There'd have been no me playing for Portsmouth Football Club basketball team. There'd have been no local league stuff. It, it just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, you know, take the rough with the smooth. There was no basketball without Mick. And he, he was the choice was Mick or nothing. Yeah, it's different now because you've got basketball. You can play play on your own. You go to a ring. There were no rings. Yeah. And if you went to the Mount Batten Centre, you, you, you had Mick. So, you know. So you have the Polytechnic now and you have access, which is what yeah. you're saying. And so can I keys. just ask a question really yeah, quickly? Yeah, yeah. Just on Mick, because um, I've heard a few stories about Mick where if he took you to away games mm. and you lost, he'd be like, fellas, you're walking home like from Manchester and he'd just drive off. I'll tell you one story. This is hilarious. Well, it's not. Um, we played a game and we'd lost and he'd come out and Mick was doing his usual ripping into us and Steve Clarenbold, um, who later became RF pilot, I think he answered Mick back like, I don't think we played that bad, Mick. And so Mick's punched him. <laughs> literally punched him. The only time I've ever seen Mick punch a player, literally punched him. And I was like, Mick, what are you doing? He's like, well. And so we've all got back in the bus and then we've got, we've got a whole journey home. And Steve Campbell's like, you just punched me, you know, and that was the end of it. There wasn't any sort of, you know, there was no inquiry. Just like, you know, Steve Campbell got punched. Never, wow. never, never seen Mick punch anyone ever again. Don't if get a, me wrong. If a coach did that, he'd never coach again well, nowadays. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But probably, you know, you know, Mick had his, you know, he had his finger in every pie. So yeah. if he probably did appeal, it probably Mick that heard the appeal. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you, you, had, you asked Mick to come Mick down. Mick would to be fun, like, fun we're here today it? to determine if I uh, punched you. Yeah, and I didn't. Case dismissed. Yeah. yeah next. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you got Mick down at Fun and Fundamentals, didn't you, with the little kids? And then. Oh, so. Oh, yeah, I heard you on the other podcast. So yeah. He was ripping into him. You had to wind him back in. Like, oh, Mick. no, yeah. It's like, Mick, can you help me out? And then he turned down within 10 minutes. Mm. Three kids were crying. I was like, <laughs> Mick. And he's like, Girl, they can't dribble with a ball. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Mick, they're nine. You can't scream at them no, like this anymore. Like no. that, that was like Different maybe era. in the 80s or the Different 90s, era. not now. No. So, but, but, um, but when you've put it, I mean, just looking at this plethora of stuff that you're doing, it really mm -hmm. reminds me of the, the conversation we have with Steve Davison. 
where he was talking about one of the best times that he ever get to play basketball mm. is when you're in college or you're around st studies or university because you've got access yeah, yeah. to courts. All the time. And you could literally every just day. pick a ball up, just off the go day. and play. Yeah, every day. Yeah, totally. And luckily, I had good players who came to university to play, mm. to study, and we had good, solid players, local league around me that I grew, grew up in. So if I organised a scrimmage and invited a few of the university players to come along, yeah, it'd be a really decent standard. Mm. Then every now and then Colin would turn up or Mike Spade would turn up or, you know. Amazing. Yeah, and it would be, it'd be good fun. It would be just hard and we'd play all summer. I think people forget... Um, not yeah, so, I not didn't realise how tall Martin Dowdle was. Look, he's standing next to Colin Irish there. Yeah, he might be on tiptoes. No, Martin's about, about six six foot, six one. Oh, he must be on tiptoes then. Yeah, well, if he's standing yeah, next to Colin. If, if, you're, if you're at the back, you don't. Want to, yeah, you got to go on tiptoe, right? Yeah, that's what I always did. Yeah, stand at the back so everyone thinks, oh, he's one of the tall ones at yeah. the back, and then I go on my tiptoes because I'm. No, I think Martin's about <laughs> six foot, six one. Where's he yeah. now? He's not around the, he's, the area, he, is he? I think he is went to work in Houston. I think he's been out in the states for ages. Yeah, I mean, when I say ages, I don't know if he's back, but um, a good. I don't know, 20 years, I'm guessing. But this timeline, looking mm. at it, basketball is all-consuming. Yeah, but I think... It can be. Yeah. It can easily be with the amount of travel you said, and then you've got the practice yeah. sessions, mm. and then if you're doing Solent Stars, but at the same time, you've also got possible panic set up, and then you've got yeah. other bits. And but it's only, it's only hard work, right, yep. if you're not enjoying it. If you're enjoying mm. it, because I was running my own team, it was great fun, and... In terms of like Portsmouth Force, I mean, obviously I set up Portsmouth Fire Division 3. We did that for two years. We won the league twice with my mates and a couple of players that I'd met in um, playing local league, like uh, Paul Cummins and Paul Dorwood, who were really good guards. Just guys I thought, actually, they, you know, when you're playing against them, they're a nightmare. It's like, right, I'll have those on my team because they're a nightmare to play against. <laughs> McAvoy was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, Maccas was there. I think my brother was in that as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was, yep. Yeah. Um, and I had the junior team, but I think this is the thing. It's like, because I was, I was doing my thing, having because I wanted my own team, because I wanted to be in charge of it. I didn't want all the grief. I didn't want all the coaching grief. I just wanted my mates playing our ball. Um, and obviously with the juniors and Tom and Rob Milner as juniors, and the dad, I think, was coaching the junior team. And then... You know, then they grow up and then they decide that they want to get their own basketball team and it all just carries on. So I think in terms of the sort of development of basketball in Portsmouth, I think there's just various people, not that have carried the torch, because there's always been two or three people doing something, local league like yourselves, like you were saying, sometimes you were the Fury overlapping with mixed team and then you end up merging at some point. Yeah. But as long as someone else comes along and picks it up, I mean, one of the reasons, obviously, when you met me and it's funny... You said, oh, Jason, you got to give me your number. So I texted him in uh, Tesco and it came up on his phone as Jason Colgan. He said, oh, I've already got your number. I was like, yeah, I gave it to you at Macca's wedding, but you were drunk. I hadn't told him that because <laughs> I knew drunk. he'd be annoyed at me. So he was Are drunk. you serious? Yeah, so he, he couldn't remember because he was hammered. Um, so Yeah, I, I, no. I was talking because I believe in a little bit of fate. And we were talking about, we had written the list, the top four, and Jason was on the list. Yeah, mm. I know and, why you didn't tell me now. And... Uh, we just bumped into each other in Tesco. Tesco. Shameful. And he, and I was thinking, hang on, he's up. For, he, I think he's up for it. And then, yeah. well, the reason is right because I, I was sat chatting with <laughs> Mackers, um, 
and sort of saying, I said, because you guys do the <laughs> announcing, right? You, you, you kind of ramp it all up, right? So you're contributing. That's what you do. And obviously, um, Rob Milner's, I've listened to the podcast we have Rob on, and he's he's taking the lead and he's keeping it going. So other kids do with your fun and fundamentals. And as long as someone else comes along and picks it up and does it and thinks, actually, I could do this, like I did with the Ports of Fire or you guys are doing with Ports of Fire, as long as someone comes along and the kids keep playing, because it's such a great game. You know, there's not many sports where you can do it on your own with a basketball dribbling round. You know, you put it through your legs, you think, oh, this is amazing. And you do a bit of dribbling or you're shooting or passing, one-on-one, two-on-two, two-on-one, as long as you got caught. So, um, so yeah, when you met me in Tesco, and I was thinking, yeah, well, why not? You guys are trying to do something, right? You're trying to help and build it. And, you know, everyone's got to chip in. And plus, it is it's good fun because there's so many funny stories. Look at his I face. Cannot, <laughs> the way he pitched it, Jason, was that. Yeah. Do you know what? This is fate. I bumped into Jason. We were in Sainsbury's or Tesco. And I saw him and I was like, can I just, can you give me your number? And then I'll do that. So I got his number. Yeah, now, yeah, but yeah. no, you had his number yeah, yeah, when we saw him at Macca's wedding. Yeah, I, I exactly. said, I'll give you my number and let me know. And then he texted me and it came I up. Bad. I was even Jason standing Colgan, there. I was we like, in the balcony. Oh, I, got, I got your number already. Yeah. We were standing there on the balcony outside. Well, I must have had a bit to drink and forgot I had it in my phone. Really? Well, that's what, what that's what I, I excluded <laughs> that when I told him because yeah. I thought he'll be annoyed. No, no, no. Um, but uh, not that you would know this, but after we, we were talking, um, I literally went into the till and there was a, a nice little old lady and she goes, oh, you two are having a nice chat. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, do you know who that was? <laughs> do you know? And, He's and famous like, in Dovercourt, right? <laughs> she was like, no, I was like, that was Jason Colgan. She's like, oh, right. <laughs> like, like, and, and I was like, he, she went, I was like, he won right? the he won the BBL. And she goes, what's that? So it's it's a like, disease. I was like, it's the top basketball <laughs> league in England. And she's like, oh, that's nice, right? Yeah. That's four pound fifty, please. Four, four, yeah. Can you scan your club card? <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah. Um, I've been writing some questions down. Okay. Um, I got something that might make you laugh. Do you know we talk about Steve Bontrager? Yes. Um, at one point, I shaved my head. Because he yeah. had a crew cut, didn't he? He had a, he, that was his trademark. And it was a crew cut. There was a few people, like my mm. brother and Steve and mm. all that, that would when they were playing for the uh mm. no no, I don't I know it's really early, it's not far actually. Mm. Where they were like, if you get your hair shaved, you're gonna be as good as Steve Bontrager. Yeah. And at that age that made sense. Oh, there's no there's no flaw in that plan. So I shaved my head yeah. to the disappointment of my mother yeah. when she came to pick us up from the hairdressers. But what I would say is, can you remember those stick-on um, basketball suckers. that you put on the window for the basketball? Oh, right, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. After that incident, in my lounge, I did hit nine threes in a row. Right. With that uh, haircut. The one that we put on the, the glass bit of uh, window yeah. between the... Nine threes. Nice. Uh, wasn't it, wasn't it the hallway to the kitchen? Wasn't it above that bit that we put on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we had like a little mark out of... <laughs> there was one time, uh, I think we had a party round at maybe uh, Steve Nelson's house because they had a kind of shared house in Stamshaw um, that we all ended up shaving our heads the whole team shaved our heads what? yeah I can't, I can't remember this is so obviously Mike Spade shaved his head Colin shaved we all shaved our heads so if you're one of the black guys right you look really cool I just look like a thug I just look <laughs> like like a like um, just a bruiser and then after that I was sort of walking along 
Um, you know, you have people crossing the street. Some of them haven't got much to shave, just looking no, at them. No, everyone shaved their heads. I think, I don't know if we just won the league or there was a dare or I can't remember. Yeah, we all, the whole team shaved their heads. <laughs> How impactful was it having Americans on the team? Uh, well, to be honest, Rich Strong was quite quiet, um, sort of unassuming and just, you know, friendly, just, just getting on doing the job. Nice bloke. Um, Mark Glass was kind of like good solid shooter good solid ball handler but he wasn't like the main man on the team the main people on the team were like Colin Alan Mike I mean everyone was really solid so it wasn't like for example with Solent Stars it was always TJ Robinson and Phil Smith do you remember Phil Smith so um, so they, you know the Americans on the team would be the, the main players it just wasn't like that on the Portsmouth team it was all quite even um, but you'd have your go-to guys um, so you know it wasn't like when Jose Slaughter was there and you're like god this guy's ferocious yeah or how long did he spend in the NBA I think he was there a couple of seasons then I think he dropped down a league but he had a big career there but you can see there the picture there yeah Larry he's marking Larry he's, he's digging up Larry but you can see Larry first and that's shooting a three that actually looks like something that would be in um textbook in right? a picture or something yeah, like that, that yeah. like of that larry picture yeah um actually talking of pictures i don't know if you remember this and again this kind of is why when we talk to jason it's like hi jason coggan how are you like a bit like is <laughs> you we used to you be able to get your picture remember you get and it was like a like a, i'd say an a5 polaroid no i don't that remember they'd that. print loads okay. at the door yeah and then all the kids can you remember this all the kids would buy the Polaroids and yeah. then and stick the players really on their wall. Mm. Remember that? Are you tell, this is your way of telling me you had a picture of me on your wall. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And ne I, next, I, next to Blondie. I, I, I don't no, no, think he had we, a painted unicorn on his bedroom wall. <laughs> no, it's I think we had. Um, it wasn't ten, but um, yeah, you used to buy these big Polaroids. You yeah, didn't yeah, know that no, at the door. I do remember the Polaroids, but I, I, you know. Yeah. So people had picture of you on their wall. That's yeah. like the the that would be the modern well, no, the equivalent of a poster nowadays wouldn't it yeah and i think we should make a jason colgan poster but it, it it goes back to as well that whole point about you saying they wanted someone the best person yeah, in local, portsmouth yeah, local, local not, not the best there. not the best player just just someone who well becomes yeah. the best player in yeah, portsmouth yeah you gotta take the flowers you were there you were captain yeah. of the team and i think i think if because i was quite athletic you know, I used to do long jump, high jump, triple jump, and like uh, lots of rugby. I sort of uh, I had trials for Hampshire, but I broke my toe playing basketball. So I went along, didn't get it. I played football for Portsmouth under 11. So I was always into sport, and I was the captain of the juniors, and I was the only one who was 18. So I was like, right, it's you. Yeah. But the, the player I, you know, I took Andrew Bailey's place. He was a much better player than me, clearly. Because do you remember Andrew Bailey playing with us in the juniors? Andrew Bailey. Yeah, he was about five eight, just really, really talented, really quick, great guard. Um, but obviously they, you know, they said, right, he's got to go. I'm going to go for, you know, Jason. You're in. And you know, you, you were talking about Americans and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is um, you had a, you played a US college team at one point. We, you remember we, that? Yeah, we played the Pac-10 All Stars and we beat them. Uh, I think we beat them. We also played the um, USS America. The USS America came along, um, rocked up in the harbour, 
and then they sent it's hilarious USS America so they've sort of phoned the Navy obviously Mick was connected with the Navy and said oh can the USS America the uh, basketball team come off and play you we were like yeah so they've come off and obviously I think Colin turned up Alan turned up I turned up like Mick Spade so they don't realise they're playing the England team and I think we spanked them by 40 <laughs> but obviously if, wow. you're, if you're on an aircraft carrier the most you can run in a straight line unless you're on deck is probably like about 3 metres so yeah spanked them off the court they were like you guys are quite good so yeah we've had a little run around and it was around this time I don't know if you played in it but did you ever play on an aircraft carrier no but we played against the USS Nimitz as well okay yeah it was always in um, always in Collingwood or Tampere uh, okay. or something yeah one of those okay yeah. so Jason you were talking about the ports of fire earlier do you know what I'm going to say no. about the video no. he was Jason was so disappointed in me do you know what I'm about to say I've got a feeling I do. So the very first... Is this is this catharsis? Is it, are we going to end up hugging? <laughs> this is the um, the very first National League game for the Ports of Fire. Juniors, you're talking about? No, your. Okay. This, your yeah, game. Yeah. Um, I turned up. We, there's a lot of us there to watch. You're not going to make me cry. Are you? And you went, Paul, I need you to climb up there on this kind of... in. This is at St. Paul's. Right. And then, remember at one end there was like... Uh, I want to say like a roof. There's a balcony. Yeah, yeah the balcony. You used to go up the kind of windy stairs. You'd end up on the balcony. Right, other end. Okay. Oh, there's a little that flat, of, flat yeah, roof bit. There was. I think that's where all the like the storagey the, stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, all the boiler was in there. There was a bit on that, and you went, Paul. I've put a chair up there. Yeah. And there's a camera and a oh, stand. Right. Ah, and I need you to. Back. I need you to film the game. This is the first. Did you leave, of, leave the lens cap on or something? In the Ports of Force game. Now I'd been Ports watching. Of fire, yeah. Ports, sorry, Ports of Fire game. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I'm. I, I was doing it, and then as I was doing it, I'm getting really into it. So I'm. I'm zooming oh, in. Zooming now in on the ball. I remember, yeah. At the start, and I'm zooming out, it and I'm getting nauseous watching it. <laughs> What did I say to you when I actually saw you next time? You're like, hey, Mr. Zoom in, zoom out, <laughs> Mr. Digital Guy. You yeah. did a great job. Yeah. There's but, me trying to work out the, if the play's working and we're looking at someone's like shoes or someone's dribble. It's like completely... Yeah. But I remember at the start of the game, I, I wonder, I should have commentated, that would have been funny, but I, like it was on the ball and I zoomed out and I'm just like zooming in people's faces. Like I, 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 In my mind, I'm making dazzling dunks and basketball bloopers. Oh, yeah. And shooting his first music video. There was a there was a button, and I don't know what it was, but it digitized everything. So the only way it's like start stop. That's the oh, only right. way to like staccato. To, just like um, the special effects. The it only almost special effects button was it? It would have been a JVC VHS because I remember I used to sign it out from the uni. I, I think oh, okay. I literally you could have just left it at. It had a button, but I didn't know what it did. Well, I that pressed you it. Could have left, left and it looked really cool. It looked like something from did I ask Dazzling Dunk. Did you do it again? No, no. no. Oh, and I realised if some and it, it looked really one cool. Job. One so job. someone was like driving to the basket, like on a steel or something. And I'd go, digital button. I'd be like, what a great effect! And I'm thinking he's going to love this. Yeah, this is great. He's going to yeah. be so happy with me. Like this, what are you doing? No, you're like, hello, you know, it's not like, you want to like, all right, Paul. It's like, hello, Mr. Zoom in, zoom out, digital man. How are we? <laughs> yeah, you never asked me to do have, that again. I might still have the tape. Somewhere. Oh, that'd be funny. That'd be funny. Oh, that'd yeah. be so funny if, to if get that. that is around, I've got to watch yeah. that. Oh, yes. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, that was funny. I just remembered as you were talking about the fire. Um, the other thing I, I wrote down as you were talking was, because um, yeah, there was a link with Portsmouth 
FC. Did you ever get any like privileges? Did they ever say um, go to any game you want to uh, go or anything like that? I think yeah. I think if you wanted tickets, we could. But obviously, most weekends we're either playing. Oh, or, of course. Or we're away. You know, <laughs> so. And in terms of afterwards, we'd all go upstairs in the Mount Batten Centre. If it was a home game, we'd go up to the bar in Mount Batten Centre and just sit there, hang out, chat to the other team, you know, schmooze and be be cool people. I'd sit next, I'd stand next to Colin, try and look cool. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That was the one thing I, I do remember. Every now and then, if you were lucky enough, you got to go in. Well, I mean, it was the, the room at the back at Mount Batten, but you yeah. got into the players' lounge. Yeah, players' lounge. Yeah. And Mick would be like. Like, you can go in, but at, like I, I don't want you to don't muck about. Sit there, shut up. Yeah, exactly. But you would yeah. do it. But you'd be standing and going. Yeah. Wow, and this is the thing: like, if, if it's just if it's all you've ever known, and it seems magical, and this is like the guys from the TV, you're just blown away, aren't you? Because yeah, it's yeah. a small little bubble. Yeah. But it's the first little bubble you've ever been in, so it all just think, wow, this is as cool as it gets. You know, being blown away. There's a thousand people in the crowd, or twelve hundred people. Which is not a lot of people. I mean, you know, I've been to gigs in pubs where it's been like four or five hundred people. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not. It's not a lot of people. But when it's all you've ever known and it's right there and it's new and, and the, this is the stuff you've seen on TV, then it's just it's great. You're just overwhelmed. That's, as a yeah. kid, that's all you want. And the, my last thing I've got is cheerleaders. Mm. Um. This is when we had Portsmouth had cheerleaders. This is when Portsmouth had cheerleaders, yeah. And what was the story about the cheerleaders? Well, I can tell you there are no cheerleader stories because that was rule number one. <laughs> Nobody messes with the cheerleaders. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not saying that that wasn't transgressed by other players, but no, all the players at the time pretty much all had girlfriends. Um, and so, no. Whatever your question is about the cheerleaders, never knowingly apart broken. from apart from they were great cheerleaders, um, there are no stories. No, the the frat and park bit. Right. So that's what I meant. Obviously, when the football club has suddenly got this basketball team, right, with cheerleaders. So somebody, in their infinite wisdom, thinks it's going to be a great idea. Why not put the cheerleaders on at half time in front of the fratten end? What could possibly go wrong? Well, we know what they're going to say, don't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> so the usual, well, you can think what the, but it didn't go well. And I think at the end of the first session, the girls were like, yeah, we're never going out and doing that again. Because <laughs> what they're asking us to do, we're not prepared to do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get our kit on. That's it. We're not doing anything else. Different inter <laughs> crowd interaction, isn't it? No, the basketball yeah. and the football. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, um, yeah. That was never going to work. <laughs> I mean, that, just when someone, not only someone went, I think this is a good idea. Someone else went, brilliant. Yeah, that's that, that's going to build bridges. That will be brilliant. Yeah. It shows yeah. a symmetry between the teams. Yeah. That's, no. That's no. Terrible. Terrible idea. Talking in front of, of the fraternity. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> the fraternity was a bit smaller in those days, I think, but yeah. still. Still uh, filled with uh, still vocal. A colourful crowd. Yes. Yes. Using colourful terminology. Yes. yes. Not shouting beautiful lyrics. <laughs> well, well I, I have some questions. Go for it. Because some of the things that you mentioned that mm -hmm. you sent over. Yep. As we've mentioned as we've mentioned a couple of times that Paul and I are doing some psychology with. Yep. And you have to mention psychology. Yep. And you've also put down some really interesting mm. uh, 
little tidbits, shall we say? Yep. Which I, I, I really like things like the captain's arm bag and obviously what George Orwell said about serious sport. And how mm-hmm. yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote this one now from it. Serious sport has nothing to do with fair play. It is bound up with hatred, jealousy, boastfulness, disregard of all rules and sadistic pleasure in witnessing violence. In other words, it's war minus the shooting. It's George war Orwell. minus the shooting. Which, to me, right, war minus the shooting sounds great because no one dies. And I think what he was saying, bearing in mind the era of this, yep. which was 1945, he just had his idea about um, communism kind of blown out the water in terms of finding out the real truth about what Stalin was doing, etc. Because he was, um, so he was, I think he was a bit kind of crestfallen in terms of that. So he wasn't a good era for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, war minus the shooting is great. And I think that's what, invasion sports are right it's, it's a chance for kids to um to compete with rules but i think above all else basketball is like the perfect invasion sport for that because mm. i don't know if you guys have ever played rugby but if you're if you're not no, not particularly we weren't not allowed to play rugby at yeah. our school but you know you, you can have a guy there who's like five foot eight and 11 stone being pummeled at school someone who's six foot four and 16 stone so you know if you're a thug or a bully in basketball you stand out straight away don't you it's obvious when someone's a thug or a bully or they haven't got any talent so i think in terms of an invasion sport for like basketball or basketball as the invasion sport that's safe for people to play everyone can find a niche obviously steph curry has just you know made made his niche you've got um any somatotype you've got, any body style you've got, whether you're really athletic or not, it's a safe sport. And I think that's why basketball has been really good to me. I think that's why I really loved basketball. When Michael Jordan started, he was my hero because he was really athletic, but he played clean. The Chicago Bulls were a really clean team. The Detroit Pistons, boo, were the bad boys because they were wow. thugs. The New York Knicks were like tough thug yeah. teams. But I loved Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls because they were just about pure basketball. And I think that's why I kind of fell in love with basketball. Um, no guesses who you support. <laughs> well, it was, it was Chicago. Bearing in mind that we, I supported Chicago before Chicago won, right? Yeah. And it was just because we saw them lose and lose and lose. And then when they finally won, I remember, I think it was probably around Macca's house. And it was, Paxson! Yeah! We were leaping around, you know, because it was finally, finally, Chicago had won the championship. Um, it was Detroit. It was like two seasons going head to head with Detroit. Was it two yeah. or three seasons? Yeah. Maybe? But going back to what you were saying in terms of the just, I, th- I think, and I think that's why it's great what you guys and um, Rob are doing with Portsmouth Force is it's a great way for kids doing the fun and fundamentals, right? It just it's an arena where kids can come around and compete, and also can compete max, uh, you know, to maximum effort that they run as fast as they can, they jump as fast as they can. Because other times, the other sports, you know, you might play football, but never sprint the whole game. You might be jogging around passing. I'm not saying, you know, you counter-attack. Yep. But with basketball, having, you know, having a body, you're growing up, you're trying to work out, you know, who you are as a young person, having a sport that's where you just get to maximise everything that you do, you know, I don't think there's any other that's as good as basketball. And also, I think if you play individual sports like tennis, right, if you win... Well, who are you going to celebrate with? Yeah. If you lose, 
who's going to kind of put their arm around and say, don't worry? Whereas with basketball, when you look at team games, if you win basketball, you've got nine other people to like just get excited with, go for a curry, go out clubbing, whatever. So I think that's why basketball is such an amazing sport. And I think that's why it's been so great for me. I've enjoyed it so much, having my own team, handpicking my players, getting the kids involved. You know, when I had Ports of Fire and I was watching the juniors play, it's like, wow, look what we've done. Because it doesn't take much to create it. You just got to get on with it and get the kit and get the money. You know, and the fact that you guys are supporting Ports of Force and there's another generation coming through is great. I there's some good players coming some young good well, yeah. kids coming exactly, through because well. every single kid right can now look at the nba and see someone the same somatotype as them the same height as them the same build as them and be a successful player it's not where you used to have to be six foot seven powerhouse you know you can be a steph curry you can be um Jokic. you can be just a regular six foot guard or or six foot every single kind of position is available so everyone can grab their own hero, their own role model, because they look like you. You know, whereas rugby, <laughs> unless you're a bit of a unit, yeah, you're in trouble because the first tackle you're gonna get wiped out. You know, and, and uh, I, I mean, I switched to squash right after because um, when I was about 32, and I really love playing squash because squash is and the guy I used to play against squash um, with my friend James. You know, again, he's ultra competitive. So again, it was just like a duel to the death because that's a, a competitive. So I think any sport where you get to maximise it is great because kids need that. Otherwise, they're just on the screens. And I think there's so many kids. You say to people, yeah, have you ever run as fast as you can for like 20 minutes and jumped as hard? No. You yeah, know, kids. But I think if you get into basketball, well, you can do it all the time, can't you? Yeah. That's what training's about. Otherwise, you don't get a rebound. How, how would you... If Jason comes to reports of force games, yeah. I, I'm going to make sure he's got a courtside seat. And he gets a shout-out. I don't think he wants a shout-out. I don't want a shout-out. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee. How would you encapsulate the feeling? There you go. I'll get someone... you a cup of coffee if you come to a force game. Mm -hmm. No, I'll get him the coffee. You, you, you would mess the coffee up. Go on. The feeling of being on a team. Yeah. How would I encapsulate it? Yeah. Uh, because I, I just looking wait, at all these go. factors. It's you, you've survived war minus the shooting. If it's a great game, and when I say a great game, I don't mean you've travelled up and gone and played. I mean, even if it's in a scrimmage in St Paul's at 10 o'clock at night with your mates and everyone knows everyone else's game and you're all talking trash and it all gets heated and it, you know, someone wins and someone and it all gets elbows. And everything. If at the end of it, you just you just all blasted yourselves and, you you know, we're all born with this amazing body. That, you know, I always used to, when I teach, I used to say, if you had a car and you crashed it, and you parked it in the garage and you closed the garage door and then six weeks later you went and opened it and it fixed itself you'd say that was magic if you parked a ferrari uh, sorry you parked like an old fiesta in the garage or you sorry you got a fiesta and the faster you drove it the faster it got the sharper you brake the car the better the brakes got the more you ragged it the better the engine got you thought it was magic right but that's what you do with the body the amount of change you can do with the human body as a kid 16, 17, 18, 19, by doing weights, training, the difference you can do in six to eight weeks is amazing. And some people get to do that and be athletes and run around and enjoy having a body. And some people don't. And I think if you do, and you know that, you know, when you get to my age 55, you know that when you're in your teens, 20s, 30s, you just kick the ass out of all your sports. 
really enjoyed it. When you're playing squash with your mate and you're diving around and you, no one's giving up and it's war minus the shooting, then I think it's brilliant. Because if you don't do that, then you're missing out. You're just missing out. And I think in terms of being on a team, you get to compete, you've got that camaraderie. And if you lose, everyone's gutted. <laughs> and if you win, everyone's elated. And some games you think you're gonna win and you lose. Other games you think you're losing and the last minute you win. And it's all that drama and excitement. Where else do you get it? Where else? I mean, I'm asking you seriously, where else do you get that sort of elation? Yeah. Sort of disappointment other than, let's say, on a basketball court. Yeah, and those stories last could you, years and years could and years. You, let's say you go to a gig, right? Let's say you, you went and saw Queen at Wembley. It's amazing, right? And you've had a brilliant time, but you weren't kind of part of it. You were you were witnessing it, but you you didn't you didn't chuck your you haven't exhausted yourself, right? But in terms of sports, like well, the sport of basketball, everything's like to the maximum. Otherwise, you're going to lose. You're part of something. You're part of something yeah. that means something. Like you say, whether you win or you lose. Uh, um, I'm lucky to do it with with Paul and Anne and Steve and Tim and Macker and all, all the guys. And I was always grateful to be just part of something like. I could be sitting on the pine. Yeah. I was just happy to be there, mm. drive away to games, win or lose, do a walkthrough, doesn't matter. And it's just, just, you're part of something. And it, and like you say, you, you leave it all out on the floor, even if you had two minutes out on the floor. Cause you, you just, know, and if the teams are evenly matched, it doesn't matter they're not NBA-level teams, they're just evenly matched. So everyone's going for broke. And uh, <laughs> once um, we had... Um, Alfie Hamilton, we had his brother Rickon on the team. And remember, Rick had pulled up and shot a three-pointer and it banked in. And Rickon didn't get much court time on our team, right? But he turned to Mickey Bird and went, Mickey, that was for you. <laughs> <laughs> and we just fell about laughing because it's just, you know, it's just the, the, the drama, you know. And you know yourself, if you're just evenly matched and you win in the last second, it's the best feeling ever. Mm. And you feel like, for a couple of minutes, like, you you know, you're, you're champions, you know, on the third minute, you're like, oh, okay, I'm trying to go home. We've got a long minibus journey. The, the, the crescendo's gone. But all the time you're playing it, it's the best thing in the world. I don't see any other team sport like basketball where you get to run as fast as you can, jump as hard as you can, D up as hard as you can, rebound as much as you can. It's everything's maximum. I just don't know another sport like it where everyone has to do it. You know, football, you play football, it's like 3-1 at the end. Basketball could be like 100 to 102 and you lost in the last second after double overtime. Yeah. You know, it's just so much happens all the time. Did that guy sub Mick off after we had Mick? That's for you. No. Well, he was on, oh, I called a timeout because we were laughing so much because Rick had just <laughs> drilled a three-pointer in front of Mick. Oh, it's brilliant. It was hilarious. There was, um, I, I mean, you know, there's a guy we used to play with called Chalky. You know yeah, Chalky. Yeah, Chalky. I only um, found out his name was Simon about two years ago. I was like, Chalky, what is your name? He's like, Simon. I was like, oh, never. Because everyone called him Chalky, right? Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably, it was only when I was had to give his name for a table. Mm. It was like, hang on, you know, like S. Oh, well, I would say his surname, but it was like, yeah. what, what's the S stand for? Yeah, exactly. All right, that's the only like, way I know. It's like chalkers with a C, what's going on? Um, yeah. But he, uh, someone hit a big three in his face. Yeah. And he turned around and shook the guy's hand and went, that was a great shot. And it was like, sub, get off. Yeah, off. yeah exactly. Yeah. You but don't I'm shake his that. hand. Yeah. I thought you were going to say when we did the prank call. 
And we phoned up, and, and it was like, is Simon there? And I'm like, who are we calling? It's Simon. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, he came on the phone, and it's like, oh, it's him. It's like, it's like I'm over 50, Chalky. Don't confuse me now. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> say I've got my prank schema. calls. Did I prank call you once? Well, if you did, you I didn't can't know remember. it was you. Okay, yeah. So I, th- I, I remember being up in my brother's re- bedroom, and there's a few of us, and, and someone had your number. All right. And I went, right. We're going to phone Jason Colgan. Yeah. And they all egged me on. Paul, you need to say this. You need to say <laughs> yeah, they, this. They all egged me on. Yeah, look, Just no like, one else had the guts to do it. Yeah, go on. Man. I can't remember what the call, what the call was. Right. Um, but uh, I remember you being a good sport. Okay. And and uh, there's a guy playing for us. Uh, remember Heavy D? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was laughing so much. He had snot yeah. <laughs> falling was, down his face. It was, was that the best disgusting. Part? It was gross. I've got yeah. a good snot story. Um... I went when I went skydiving in the States, right? So I've jumped out of the plane. This is like my second jump. So it's, it's free fall, but you've got a jump master with you to make sure you don't kill yourself. You've had your training because you have to pull your own chute first jump. And so the, obviously the jump masters there, they, they think they're the coolest guys on the planet because I'm teaching you how to skydive, kid. I don't care where you're from on the course. Anyway, so we're falling through the air, like 140 miles an hour. And I've looked over at this, my jump master and he's got this trail of snot slowly <laughs> migrating up his cheek and he went and I've gone <laughs> like that. He's just looking. And so if you've ever seen someone with 140 mile an hour snot going up their cheek that's what it's like that's my best snot story so hang on just to put some context in this like after mm. the uh, there was a certain point after you playing for the Portsmouth FC basketball club yeah. you went skydiving for like no, a year no 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 this it? was late 90s so I'd, okay. I'd been at university working and studying for nine years and I thought right I'd sold my house made some money paid off my debts I thought oh, I need to go and do something just to kind of just for a bit of fun and the, one of the guys who I was coaching on the um, I wasn't coaching the University of Portsmouth Portsmouth Fire we also had a wheelchair basketball team um, and I was the coach for that along with um Adrian, who was one of the players. Anyway, he was a Marine, um, but he'd had a skydiving accident in the States, messing around. He said, you know, he's just taking too many risks. So he ended up in a wheelchair, but I said, oh, and he was telling me about his skydiving story. So I said, okay, I want to go skydiving. Where should I go? He said, I'll go to Paris Valley, California. So I went out there, um, went skydiving until the money ran out. And then uh, I went, This we're in the, it's called the, I can't remember what the cafe was called like the barn bust or whatever. And this girl's like, oh, anyone want to go to Vegas? I was like, I'll go to Vegas. So she had this massive Chevy Suburban. So I then went on this massive tour up through California, up through Nevada, up to Reno, San Francisco. We stopped at Lake Tahoe. She knew these guys called the Free Fly Clowns who were like this skydive um, like um, display team. Um, the car kept breaking down. We blew up. The Chevy in Death Valley got picked up by the sheriff. He's like, you guys didn't have the air conditioning on. Of course, I'm like, of course we did. What's the point of having it if you can't do it on on Death Valley? It's really hot. He's like, you got to overblow the air. Oh, so, so we got towed to Beatty, Nevada. Then we got barricaded in this like porter cabin because the guy who picked us up and was drunk and he was beating the door down because he wanted one of the... One of the guys with us, Pear, this Dutch guy called Pear, wanted us to, um, to go and watch him with, um, was it, come see me and Doris. Doris was from the Shady Lady Motel, so you can you can guess what she was, uh, her job was. Being uh, shady. 
being shady. So then we left there first thing in the morning. We swapped for this Dodge Dart. It's like a, you know, like Beverly Hills cop scraggy car. Drove that up to Reno through Vegas, San Francisco. It sounds like, it's, like it should be a TV show. Well, it was. It was a movie. Honestly, it was a movie. It was hilarious. Um, so yeah, that was the. That so, was, so and then I came back and became a teacher. And in those days, you might, you must have been pretty <laughs> spontaneous in those days. Go, well, I'm going to. Yeah, well, the thing I'll is, I just sold my flat. I paid off all my debts. I remember walking out of Lloyd's Bank, thinking, "Oh, this is great. I've got a few grand left. I'm going skydiving, and I'll work it out when I come back." So I came back. Um, the guy I was living with taught at South Downs College. And I said to him, any jobs at your place? He said, I don't know, jump in the car. And then again, basketball related, I jumped jumped in the car, went to South Downs, went to the sports hall. You remember Yvonne Elliott or Yvonne Fletcher, who was one of our junior referees. She was in charge of all the sports. She's like, Jason, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a job. She's oh, I've got a BTEC level two sports starting Monday, 18 kids, I don't have a teacher. Do you want to be a teacher? I was like, yeah, I'll be a teacher. So on the Monday, I was like, hi, kids, I'm your teacher. We're doing basketball today. And I was, I guess I was 30, 31. So I was still fit. I think I'd started playing a bit of white league just to keep myself in check. And I had a great day. I've been teaching 25 years since. Wow. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. I think we could have a Jason Colgan Netflix show. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it would be very popular. I've, I've told you all my best stories. That's it. <laughs> We'd call it the, it'd be like the, uh, the American tour years. Yeah. <laughs> the lost years. The lost years. The lost parachute. Or free falling. I think I know the I answer. Uh, You're going to do your questions because I think I, I know will. the answer to one of them. Yeah, I think I know one anyway. I think just I was want to say I think it's quite brave that you there was a gentleman who had had an accident parachuting, mm. and you asked them where you should go parachuting. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's an. It's only dangerous if you hit the ground too quick. Other yeah, it's that, not it's the falling; fine. it's the stopping, no. isn't it? Yeah. No. And Adrian, I mean, Adrian was a marine in the Falklands War, so I think again, I think he'd just come out of the Marines. Was like, oh, I just want to enjoy myself, and he was a skydiving cameraman. Um, but he was messing around, and he got caught up with another cameraman. Oh no! And they both the shoots tangled. They both collapsed. And they both hit the ground, and they both ended up in a wheelchair. But again, you know, he. I guess the same mentality to get in the Marines anyway. He just recalibrated himself and said, right, I want to be a basketball player. I'm going to go to university, do a sports science degree. I think he went out, out to Africa, did lots of projects out there. He just, again, just picked himself up and said, well, I'm doing something else now. Wow. He said while he was in Oddstock Hospital in recovery, um, obviously he had to lie on his front for like about 10 months. Oh, for the surgery to sort, he said, oh, there's just any excuse. They'd get their trolleys. And try and wheel their way down to like any any of the slopes with a ramp, uh, ramps with a slope, <laughs> and just total down. They're getting told off all the nurses. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, I'm paralysed. You know, from the, like the waist down. But the wheelchair basketball team were great. Again, it was you know it was a really nice buzzy time. We had the, the juniors, we had the men's team, we had the wheelchair team. It was a great little occasion. That's it. You just create it, don't you? You just have the idea like with the ports with force. Right, let's do it. You know, who can I get roped in? Let's do it. That's what happens. It all just yeah. starts again. I feel Jason needs to see a Force of Force game. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unique. It's unique. Yeah. It's the only, it's the only uh, well, I mean, if you've heard some of the shows, it's it's the only one I'd probably say, no, there's probably a handful in the UK that are doing it like we're doing it. Okay. Like you've got to go to the BBL. So it's all the, Good. it's a very American style. So yeah. as the ball's coming up, dun, 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 Yeah, dun, exactly, dun, dun. exactly. Which so, you guys were involved with, right? Yeah. Well, That's what you guys Andrew's do. Andrew's the one who, dun, yeah, dun, yeah. like presses the button to yeah. do it. So, um, yeah. and then, um, 
like our focus will be more around the entertainment yeah, side of it exactly. like the music and but you need loads of people to buy in yeah to make it all the spectacle right it, yeah and that's what's great i think that's why you guys doing what you're doing is fab i think what we found that was interesting was educating people but we're starting to get people like this is where you clap this is where you cheer this is where you shout yeah. defense yeah yeah and people are realizing that it's an entertainment not just going for the basketball game but there's an atmosphere yeah and like with football or anything mm. like that there is an atmosphere yeah and that's what's been created i think over the last mm. year or so and it's, it's well we have created a new one last game as well okay so this is any time an away player mm. takes two free throws if he misses both free throws yeah. everyone gets free harry bow okay and that's turned into right any time an away player goes to the line you have 450 people Harry Bo, Harry Bo, rather than the normal. Okay. Yeah. So it's but actually. It's, it actually sounds so much better, so it's much it's, better. I like people it. cheering Harry Bo, and um, I the don't. And if, if you're seven or eight or nine or oh. ten, and you're screaming Harry Bo, it's the funniest thing of the week, right? Yeah. You just you're just having the greatest fun ever. You say you, that, yeah. but I had to go out and give the Harry Bo out. It okay. was like, it like one each or a packet each. No, it's like they're the, throwing the, the, out. There's like like big five big bags in it. Like there's, there's probably about two hundred Harry Bows. It was like out. having meat strapped to myself. It was like Elvis. Bear cave. Honestly, right. it was like I walked through and they ripped the bottom of the bag. Is it, is it, is it like war minus the shooting? Yeah, yeah. Although I was tempted. War with Harry Bow. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. But it was again, it's great to see people just getting so excited about yeah, it exactly. and, and you've got to shout out to josh i think it's josh or john gooding right um who played for the brighton team because they were losing by about i don't know 40 or 50 yeah. he goes to the line with a minute left everyone starts cheering harry boat you know he just bricks both sharks <laughs> yeah, just goes, there, just there you go you can yeah. have the harry boat <laughs> yeah he, yeah he definitely it was like a just chess party thing but yeah so, Mark, your question. Well, there's always two questions. Uh, the first one, if you've got to give that that one shot. I'm writing it down already. Yeah, you're going to write that down. Who's who's the shot? Who's it going to? What do you mean? So, the ball gets inbound. Yeah. And it's the clutch shot. Give it to Colin. Get out of the way. Co this can be Any anyone. person yeah, in history. Give it to Colin. Wow. Colin, Colin Irish. Over yeah, give, MJ. Give yeah, or MJ, MJ would have the ball in his hands anyway. Well, it's not going to go via me to MJ. I've written Colin no, Irish. Wow. Colin. No, give it to Colin. Colin amazing. Irish. Yeah, I love that because that's someone he's played with. That is yeah. amazing. I like that. And that he's picked. So we have, we have the second part of it, which is if you could pick your dream team. Yeah. And it's a five and pine. So there's five and then one on the bench. Right. It could be any player that you've ever played with yep. or an NBA player or Euro basket or whoever. Okay. Five players. Uh, Mackers, Leon White, uh, Martin Dowdor. Wow. Uh, Paul Cummins, Rooster Cummins. Uh, Paul Dorwood. Um, big man, who would I pick? Uh, probably pick Mike Spade as a big man. And then. My heavy hitters will be Colin, Steve Nelson. He's going for a full 10. Marseille. Five and Pine. And 
last player. Oh, that's me, isn't it? I'm the last one. That's it. <laughs> Jason, you're that's breaking. It. You're breaking the rules, Jason. Hey, he can break the rules. Why? Why, why am I breaking the rules? You're going to be starting five. You, you pick ten on players, but that's fine. You can have those. Yeah, well, that's it. I can't. Pick, I can't decide between those. He's changed the rules, Mark. No, he's well, taking your rules gone. That's my ten. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not dropping anybody out of that team. There you go, Mark. And apologies that, to anyone I've missed. That's, that's going on that's, the board. That's the one that came. That's going me. on board. That's going on I the love board. That. Yeah. Right. Are you? I have no. Jason, questions. will you grace, grace us with a shot on our court? Have you seen it yet? I've seen the court on the YouTube videos. No, no, no. Like our court. Oh yeah. I'll here. Shoot here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every every guest takes a shot. Okay. Have you heard these yet? No. It's always right at the very end. Okay. Left hand or right hand? Whatever, whatever, whatever goes, whatever you want to do. Okay. But if it goes in, yeah. Especially the first one. Yep. We name the shot after you. Okay. So if you go, if you go where Mark is. Right. Right here we go. We have. Former BBL legend Jason Colgan. He's going to have a, a quick warm up because we've thrown him in the, under the bus for this one. Former Solent Star, former Portsmouth FC Basketball Club. That one did not happen. That one did not happen. Right, is that the warm up? He's got his length. If you didn't hear that, that is basically they did this after the. They go in! They go in! Wow! Jason Colgan scores his first shot! That's now called the Jason Colgan shot. Is it? That is officially now. What happened? Jason did Colgan. any of the others go in? No. My, it, two, my two warm-ups, one was an air ball, one was a brick. Yeah, we, yeah, well, we let people range. have a warm-up. I think the last time I shot a basketball was probably like 2000 and something, <laughs> like 2010. Wow. So I nailed that one. We got the Jason Colkin shot, the Mark Jackson shot, and the Steve Ware shot. Wow. They're all got names now. But what discriminates between each? How do you demarcate which is which? Um, as So all the guests we've had on, yeah. every most people miss, miss it. As yeah. you can tell, yeah. the first person who scored Steve Ware, yeah. and it was his third shot. Yeah. So we said that last shot is now known as the Steve Ware shot. Okay. Mark Jackson comes on. Remember Mark Jackson? Yeah, of course, played with him loads. Great he player. he came on, and when he came on, it was he scored his second shot. We went right. That's now called the Mark Jackson shot. Okay. Now the first shot is called the Jason Colgan so shot. How can they beat the first shot? So that's it. I'm I'm in. You're in. It's no, my it's, shot it's, it's, it's never going to be renamed. He's, he's not competitive. No. Remember that. It's no. never going to be renamed. No, that's <laughs> it. That, that is it. That's it. Those shots are set in stone. From the tape. Right. Well, Jason, thank you so much for oh, coming you're very on. Welcome. Look, we've had that. You know, I've said you you're on our list. Mm. You know, clearly, w you know, we look up to you. You've inspired a generation. Kept basketball going. We wouldn't even be having this conversation if if it wasn't for. Uh, that team and everything that we saw. Mm. So yeah, just huge thank you for for coming You're on. You're very welcome. I think yeah, it's great brilliant. that you know one of the juniors, Rob, is now president of Ports of Fire, doing exactly the same as I did, encouraging people on. It's great that you guys were all part of that, and now you're doing it for the rest of the kids because that's, that's what it needs. Without that, it all just fades away. So well done, you guys. And I and I promise, if you come to a force game, I will not go. And Jason Colgan's just walked in. Never like who's, who's this? <laughs> Who? Yeah. 
Oh, dear, Mark, which one am I pressing? This one down here. I believe that's the one. There you go. Well, thank you, Jason, so much for coming to the studio. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you want to hear more interviews, like ones like Jason, go and have a listen to some of the other ones we've got. About 68 shows and counting at the moment. I have been Mark this week. I have been Paul. Am I supposed to say, and I have been Jason? Of course. <laughs> well, I have been Jason. You do whatever you want, Jason. Yeah. One final question. Do you like badminton? I love badminton. However, if I have to pick a, if I have to pick a sport, no, squash is the ultimate racket sport. There you go. Not I, badminton. Yeah. Could I just say, I had a girlfriend once who was England number four in badminton, and she absolutely rinsed me. I've never been so humiliated in a badminton game in my life. Do you consider badminton an actual sport? Yes, I do. Are you any good at badminton? No. No. Have no. you ever played anyone no. who's any good? If you're if you're decent at badminton, yeah, it's an epic game. I love badminton. I invented a game, right, called bad <laughs> called badpington, where you play table tennis on a badminton court, and it's amazing because you know how much a table tennis ball will curve. You can literally slice it, and it's like a Roberto Carlos free kick, and you're chasing it around. So I recommend everyone play table tennis on a badminton court, drop, bounce to serve, and you've got all normal rules. There you go. It's fantastic. Well, Mark, what we, is it with the badminton then? Come we, on. We, uh, Tell it's, him. it's not a sport. It's more. It's Are more. Crazy? It's more driven because you have the badminton lines and the basketball court. That's and what it, it just, is, it, and it's all so driven is, from that. In terms of your psychology, right, this is displacement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is epic. <laughs> love right. right, well, that, that went left field, didn't it? Real quick. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. I love yeah. it. Right. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jason. Yep. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome.